welcome. Prepare your heart as we dive into the Word of God. Pastor Steve of Beloved Church in Lena, Illinois is about to lead you into a life-changing encounter with grace and truth. Jesus Christ has a divine destiny perfectly orchestrated for those who are willing to be adventurous enough to receive His favor and blessing into their life. Our prayer is that you will allow the presence of the comforting Holy Spirit of God to radically display the Father's love for you. You are a part of God's beloved family, and that means you are greatly loved. Now over to Pastor Steve. 1 John chapter 5. This will be actually be in the King James, sorry. 1 John chapter 5, starting in verse 1. You are the beloved, right? Yes. Well, come on now. Somebody just got healed. There's people that got set free, taken out of slavery in their minds and their hearts. Because you are the beloved, the ones that are greatly loved by God. The book of 1 John was written to the beloved. Whosoever believes that Jesus is the Christ is born of God. Anybody in here? Man. I was going to make you all do it again, but after that, I can't. If you believe that Jesus is the Christ, Christ means more than just a, a cool religious term, and term for, like, Jesus. It's not his last name. Christ is specifically the promised Savior that was to come and to lead you out of slavery with Satan to give you a new life. So anyone that believes that Jesus is the Christ, I actually believe that it's Jesus is your Christ, is born of God. Amen. There's, there's many denominations that struggle with born again. You must be born again. You have got to die in order to live. Jesus said in John chapter 12, said, unless a grain of wheat falls into the ground and dies, all the farmers say amen. All the gardeners say amen. Unless a grain of wheat falls into the ground, dies, is covered with dirt, in an actual grave, that is the only way for you to bring forth more wheat. And everyone that loves him that begot, loves him also that is begotten of him. That, that's old King James for saying, if you say that you love God who gave you your new life and you are not exercising that love towards other people in the body of Christ, then it's probably, amen. It is natural for you to love the one that birthed you and to love the ones birthed of him. It is absolutely 100% natural for you to love your parents and to love your siblings. Now translate that into the spirit. For a person to say they love God, this very chapter says, for a person, if a person says that they love God and they don't love their brother, they are a liar. Yep. And there's probably people that are irritated that I just said that when it's the Bible. It's actually the Bible that says that. 
And everyone that loves him that begot loveth him also that is begotten of him. Notice the whole context here is new birth. Next verse. By this we know that we love the children of God when we love God. Do you, do you see the parallels that are threaded throughout all of this? That loving the one that you are in fellowship with, in kononia with, in, in your local body specifically. Anybody can love John Doe generic Christian on the other side of the planet. I love all those Christians in China. Well, God bless you. Do you love your neighbor? Do you love your spouse? Amen. Do you love your pastor? <laughs> nah. By this we know that we love the children of God when we love God and keep his commandments. Notice that the conjunction of these two is important. It's not just loving God, because there's so many people, I just love God so much. Are you keeping his commandments? I don't have to, because I just love God. Amen. And then you got the other side, which is, I'm keeping all the law. I'm the most holy, awesome, amazing Christian. Is there, do you love God? I don't need none of that love stuff, because I'm super good Christian. You know, whatever. It's both. It's an and, conjuncted. It's together. You love God. You love the person sitting next to you. And you're keeping his commands. His commands. Both of these are important. It's the spirit and the word together. If you just have spirit, you're weird. I'm sorry. I've been in those churches where they got all the spirit in the world and they ain't got none of the actual activities in their life that makes anybody think that they really are authentic in their belief systems. If you are struggling of life, if the fruits in your life are stank, then please don't tell me how much of the spirit you are operating in. Love God and keep his commandments. Next verse. For this is the love of God, that we keep his commandments. I mean, people knew that. You being obedient to God, you living um, in his righteousness, in his holiness, you operating your life based upon how he said life should operate is the expression of you loving him. Most people didn't know that verse was in the Bible. No, I love God because uh, I tell him all the time. You, you know how many people have told me they love me? <laughs> and don't. Amen. You know how many people who told me they love me while they're looking me in the face, and I know that while they're saying it, they're hating me? I just love you, Pastor. Okay. We think that we can just say these words, and then some. it's like ali uh, ali auction free and everything happens because we said the words. It don't work that way. This isn't abracadabra. I, I barely ever say I love you to people unless I really need to make a radical impact or try to kind of jerk them out of whatever's going on. And even then, I oftentimes, I usually say the word adore. I don't say I love you very much because it's so plastic in today's culture. This is how we express our love to God. Not you telling him you love him. Not you telling other people how much you love him. 
But neither of those two do anything for God. This is what does something for God. It's how you live your life. It's the fruit on your tree. And his commandments are not grievous. This is the other thing, too. So many people talk about living in obedience with God, and they do that thing where it's legalistic, and you, like, thump people over the head with your scriptures. Thou shalt not, wham. Thou shalt not, wham. That is not the commands that Jesus has for us. In the new covenant, his commands are not grievous. In other words, when you are being obedient to God and you're living in his commandments, it doesn't weigh you down. It doesn't restrict your life. It doesn't bring sorrow to you. It's not grievous. It's actually better. It's way, way better to live your life the way God intended for life to be lived. I know this is shocking. If you use a hammer like a hammer, it's way better for you. <laughs> I, I, uh, I don't have time for stories. But one time, <laughs> I was uh, fixing my neighbor's fence in Texas because uh, it was always falling over onto my property. So I finally just said, you know what? I'm just going to fix this. So I was out there fixing his fence. And this is way back when cordless drills and stuff first came out. So I had the first ever cordless drill of my life. I don't remember what kind it was. And I was building this fence. And if you, if you know why they changed from cordless drills more over to cordless impacts, it's because when you're doing a drill, it's like, you break your wrist off because everything. So I was putting these great big, huge bolts into this fence to try to hold it up for good. And I'm do it one time, do it right. And it kept twisting up my wrist every time I did it because the drill actually worked right. And I got frustrated doing it, and so I took the drill with the battery pack and I pounded the screw in. I know none of you have ever had a flesh flash. You guys are all so holy. You've never got mad at anything. Nobody in here has ever hurt themselves with a tool, but I got mad at the screw because it just went And so I bang it on the screw, and my drill broke. My, oh, I know. I almost cried. And then I had to tell Kay, I need another one. <laughs> I broke my drill because I used it for what it was not. Yeah. You know how many people, if you understood this about marriage, if you knew what marriage was for, you would not break it. The, I would say the, the majority of folks in this room, you don't even know what the purpose of marriage is. It's to make you happy. You know how many people have told me that? I've asked people, what do you think the purpose of marriage is? It's to make me happy. You're stupid. <laughs> marriage is not to make you happy. Oh, my Lord. Marriage is not to make you complete. You complete me. <laughs> marriage is not to, if you're incomplete when you come into marriage, marriage ain't making you complete. You're going to be two broken people. Guess what broken people do to broken people? Break them. You went from being broken, now you're super broken. Congratulations. It, man, how did I get off on marriage? Oh, by the way, Marriage Covenant Week. First fruits. If you have not signed up to go to Cancun with me and Doc Ryan to do the marriage thing, then you should. <laughs> I don't want to be too flamboyant. You should. Come join us in Cancun and get your marriages right. Get it into covenant. Most people have a marriage contract. You need to have a marriage covenant. These two freshly covenantized people 
Yep. All right. So Justin needs your money. His commandments are not grievous. Next verse, please. <clears throat> For whatsoever is born of God. Anybody? <clears throat> Notice it's a whatsoever now. It went from whosoever to a whatsoever. When you're born again, you're different. This is, I could spend three hours on this. But the fact that people, there is no difference in their life from their unsaved neighbors. You know how many people I know that are ungodly, that are unchristian, agnostic, maybe even atheists, that actually live their lives better than some Christians? That is, if you are weak and broken and emotional and delicate, jeez, oh praise God. You're not doing it right. I'm not gonna say you're not born again, but I'm just saying you're not doing it right. There should be something different between, from a living person and a dead person in a, in a casket. Amen. The world is dead in a casket. Yeah. And if you're born again, you have the life of God. A person who has the life of God and a person who has the death of Satan, there should be something radically different about these two people. And, I, and when I see different, I mean different. The way that they talk, the way they walk, every part of their life. If your Christianity hasn't influenced every single part of your life, then it's probably just not that authentic. If you're still doing your money the way you did before, if you're still doing your emotions the way you did before, if you're still doing your relationships the way you did before, if you're still doing sex the way you did before, Every single part of your life needs to be touched by this. And if it's not, you're just probably not doing it right. You need someone to help you. You could have somebody come into your house and help you eat the lamb. You should go to getting discipled. For whatsoever is born of God overcomes the world. What overcomes the world? Being born again. This is important because a lot of overcoming the world messages has to do with you doing stuff, you doing more. This specifically says that your overcoming comes from the fact that you're born above. You're born from above. Now look at the stuff after the colon. And this is the victory that overcomes the world. Even our faith. You know, I spent at least eight years in Word of Faith, and they said this verse in every sermon, because Word of Faith is about your faith. Faith, uh, you having faith in your faith, and, and you will fix everything in your life. You just need more faith. If you ain't got stuff right in your life, it's because you ain't got your faith right. If you got more faith, then you got a bigger car and a bigger house, more money. You, you, could, you could look at a person and see how much faith they got based upon how rich they are. And, I, and I'm not going there, I'm just saying, that faith was such an idol in, in, in that way of thinking that they actually said, they used, this is, and this is one of the verses that made it into an idol. See, if you really got good faith, you're going to overcome the world. Your faith is what's going to give you the victory to overcome your world. Can we please, please, beloved, 
even if it's just this congregation, can we please do context with every scripture? What is the scripture context that we just went through? Being born again. Born again is the context. In fact, the first part of this verse specifically says that it's your born again nature that gives you the overcoming. So the overcoming in your life is through faith in what you have become. It is you having belief or faith in the fact that you've been born again, that Christ is on the inside of you and he is your hope of the glory of God manifesting in your life. It's not your faith. It's not like you got some, some magical little person on the inside of you that goes, runs around and gets all the stuff you need and his, his name is faith. It's you having belief. It's you actually trusting that you've been born again and that's what brings the victory for the overcoming in your life. You having a revelation, a deep, intimate revelation of Christ in you who's rebirthed you in his nature. Colossians chapter 2, verses 9 and 10, please, Mitch. Colossians chapter 2, verse 9. Man, I wish I could put all this in context too. In that Christ that's on the inside of you, is the fullness of the Godhead. Do you, look at these words, fullness of the Godhead. The fullness of the Son, the fullness of the Father, the fullness of the Spirit of God is in Him. On the inside of you is Him. Not it, not anointing, not gifts and callings, on the inside of you is him. And from him comes anointing. From him comes gifts. From him comes, a, comes the callings of God. From him comes the divine nature. From him comes everything. But him is on the inside of you. The fullness of him. You don't get a little slice of Jesus. Actually, Christ. You don't get a slice of Christ. You don't get Christ Jr. You don't get the the watered-down, milky toes because you're a lame-o version of Christ on you. You get the Christ. You get the whole Christ. The anointing that's in these precious young people right here is the exact same anointing that's in me, is the exact same anointing that's in whoever your favorite preacher guy is that does all the miraculous stuff. It's the exact same Christ. The Christ that are in the babies in the nursery. Same Christ. My mom will bore you to tears about you, her telling you about me healing her when I was two years old. Two years old. I couldn't even talk. And she had a messed up, what was it? Uh, she messed up her back, her something nerve. She picked up a sewing machine and broke her nerve thing and could not move. And I, I'm going back into my memory banks for when I was two. And I can probably tell you I was hungry. And I needed mom to make me some food. And she couldn't do it because she couldn't move. She physically could not move. 
And so I just walked up to her and I said, Jesus, heal. And she got healed. Two-year-old. Steve must be super holy. He must the reincarnate Christ. No, I was probably hungry. I needed my mama. Make a sandwich. I can't, I can't they won't let me touch the butter knife because last time I stuck it in the outlet and almost killed myself. So, mom, help a brother out. Get healed. Go. It's a, the two-year-old, it wasn't Steve. It's Christ. In him dwells the fullness of the Godhead bodily, and you are complete in him. Anybody know who the ye are is in here? The ye is we. You are complete in him. You're not complete in you. In you, broken. In him, complete. So if anybody ever has a belief that they are incomplete in some way, it's because you have not had a revelation. Your faith that overcomes the world, that gives you victory, is having faith in the fact that you've been born again in him, who is the head of all principality and power. Anybody know what all means in the Greek? All. So any principality or power that's afflicting you, affecting you, has been dealt with by him being complete in you. One of the ways that completeness works is that you put all the parts of your life into his completeness. It's you walking in him. It's not just you knowing that he's in you, but you walking in him. The walk of your life literally talks about your behaviors, your attitudes, your direction, the way that you go, the how that you go, the where that you go, all of that being in, in, infiltrated by the him on the inside of you is what brings that completeness to manifestation. Intimacy with God. I'm going to end with this because I want to tie in healing to him. The gospel that we preach is the gospel of the Lord Jesus Christ. It is the good news. The word gospel just means good news. It actually means almost too good to be true news. It was a very um, unused term in Greek, in Kone Greek, which is what the original scriptures was written in. Jesus actually used a very antiquated word that was only barely ever used. In fact, there was only four other writings in all of ancient Greek that they could find this word because it literally meant it's too good to be true. So the word gospel actually means too good to be true. You know, one of the reasons that people don't accept what God has for them, you know, God wants you divinely healthy, every part of your life divinely healthy. Ah, it's too good to be true. People actually reject the goodness of God because it's too good. Think about that. The gospel of Jesus Christ, we all know that we have this command. I'm tying it into that command. To do what? Preach the gospel. And preach doesn't just mean stand at a pulpit and scream at people. <laughs> I know, I'm getting better. It actually means to declare, to proclaim. St. Francis of Assisi said, preach the gospel always, and if necessary, use words. Your life is preaching. 
In Matthew chapter 10, verses 7 and 8, Jesus said, When you go, preach. When you go where? You are the preach. Preach isn't what you do. Preach is who you are. As you go, preach, saying the kingdom of heaven is at hand. If you look this, I've studied this scripture for decades. This actually says, a better way to say this is, as you go, preach the gospel and tell people that the kingdom of God is in your hand. Right here is the kingdom of God. That's why you lay hands on the sick, because you lay the kingdom on broken, hurt, sick people. That's why you greet one another with a holy kiss, because your touch is bringing the kingdom into their life. And I know that's awkward in today's society, but God actually intended for us to greet one another with a holy kiss. All the men said amen. <laughs> no, I don't know. The kingdom of heaven is in your hand. It's right here. It's not off there. It's not after you die. It's not sweet by and by. It's not heaven. It's right here. Right here. This is why when you use your hands or you use your body to inflict damage on other people, it is such blasphemy. It is antichrist to use your tongue to curse and to hurt because your tongue was meant to heal and bring the kingdom. When you gossip, when you when you have unforgiveness, when you have bitterness towards somebody, the reason that's so antichrist, the reason that the devil gets such energy in your life and two other people from that is because you've actually taken what God gave you to energize another life and you've used it for the kingdom of darkness. To take your hand, this is why uh, parents, you, when you discipline your children, man, I'm, this is off track. When you discipline your children, you do not use your hand. Don't ever slap your children's mouth. Don't ever slap your children's hands. Your hand is for healing. Your hand is for bringing the kingdom. You use a rod, a spoon in our house, a wooden spoon, and it should be wood because the wood is the cross. The cross is the discipline that comes into life. And this is off track. But we do this, we use our hands, we use our tongues to inflict damage on people and they're supposed to be inflicting the kingdom onto people. As you go preach saying the kingdom of heaven is, hand, is at hand. Preach, heal the sick, cleanse the lepers, raise the dead, cast out devils. You know you can't find very many churches that believe in those four things. But they believe in preaching the kingdom. Which is it? Jesus literally said it's equivalent to preach the kingdom as it is to raise the dead. Go ask a Christian, what do you think we're supposed to be doing? Well, we're supposed to be preaching the gospel. Jesus literally said preaching the gospel and raising the dead, same. Cleansing lepers, ooh, I don't want to touch that. They got COVID, whoa, six feet. <laughs> yep, that's the world. The world is, you got COVID, I'm staying away. Don't cough. In fact, now, have you, have you noticed in today's society, anybody coughs and everybody's like, they got the COVID. <laughs> I hear someone cough, I'm like, come here. Where are you? Who, who was that? I got hands for you. Amen. That's what he said. Cleanse the lepers. 
If you find someone with leprosy, cleanse them. In today's society, you find someone with leprosy, you get away as far as you can, you run! Don't look back! Because they'll chase you down and give it to you. Raise the dead. Cast out devils. In today's society, we don't cast out devils anymore. There ain't no devils in America. We just give them drugs, take them to therapy, and we hope their demons stay in line. No, you cast them out. Cast out devils. Cast out demons. Well, we don't believe in that in our church. That's what... I'm out of time. I can't go there. But I want you to get this. The same... The same preaching of the gospel, the same bringing the kingdom into people's lives, the same healing, the same cleansing, the same raising of the dead that God intended for us to be releasing out of our life is the same that came into our life. Freely you've received. Freely give. The reason that some of us don't give it away is because we think that we got to earn it. So we think other people got to earn it too. I am out of time. Your kids are all playing with the goats, and so they're not really that worried about what you're doing right now. But I, I want you to get this, that Jesus specifically put the free part on this. Healing is free. Being delivered from oppression and depression, which are spiritual entities. It's demonic activity. Um, you know, tiredness, is an, uh, is an effect of demonic activity? Thinking evil thoughts while you're reading the scriptures or praying or something like that? That's demonic activity? There's a ton of things that are demonic activity that are probably in some Christians' lives that they're just not going to deal with. Because it can't be a demon. Because I'm a Christian. If you don't think that Christians can be afflicted or oppressed by demonic activity, then you're going to have to chalk up all the bad stuff that happens in Christianity to God. And I would encourage you, don't do that. Don't call good evil and evil good. Believers can be afflicted by demonic. I don't believe they can be possessed, but I believe they can be oppressed. Addictions are demonic. Jesus read, literally released people from addictions by getting rid of their demons. Jesus not one time ever sent someone to a therapist. He didn't tell them to go get a, a psychoanalyst. He didn't tell them to go to a self-help ceremony. He didn't tell them nothing. Any problem that came to Jesus, he released that person from that problem through the anointing. It's the anointing that breaks yokes. We have, we have had more American get into gospel than we've had gospel get into America. We're so advanced, we don't need to do it Jesus' way anymore. Jesus' way is better. This is free to you. Healing is free. Jesus already paid for it been purchased. 
And so I'd like for you to please rise. I'm gonna, we're going to release this. Thank you so much for sharing this time with us as we have encountered Jesus Christ through the ministry of his life-changing word. If you would like to learn more about Steve Castle Ministries and Beloved Church, you can go online to stevecastle.com or belovedchurchillinois.com. You can also contact us at 815-990-0367. Always remember that you are a part of the Beloved Family of God, and Beloved Church is the place where you are greatly loved. Now please open your heart to receive as Pastor Steve proclaims the blessing of the Father over your life. I pray, I declare that above all things that you allow the finished work of the cross to bring prosperity into your finances and also divine health prospering your body and all of these things are going to affect you in a supernatural way as you allow your soul, your mind, your will, your emotions and your personality to be perfected in prosperity that the Father desires for you to have. We love you and we cannot wait to see and be with you again soon. Goodbye, beloved.